She produces the human body just as water becomes ice. As water freezes into ice, so qi coagulates to form the human body. When ice melts, it becomes water. When a person dies, they become spirit again. It is called spirit just as melted ice changes its name to water. Hello everyone and welcome to Everyday Sublime. That was Wang Chong from the from the early first century AD, a Taoist philosopher speaking about the uh, nature of qi. And in this episode, I will be giving you a talk I gave actually a few years back as part of an online course on Chinese medicine and yin yoga. And in this talk, I cover both the philosophical and practical dimensions of qi, and specifically how I think yin yoga starts to optimize the health and flow of our qi. But before I give you that talk, I just want to uh, let you know and build awareness around an online yin yoga and Chinese medicine course that I'm running um, online this, this spring from March 1st through May 31st. So it's three months this spring. It's a way for you as a teacher or practitioner to spring into a deeper understanding of the really the functional elements of Chinese medicine and how I feel that yin yoga collaborates with those elements to strengthen, circulate, and optimize our, or harmonize our qi. Now this is the latest iteration of this course that I've been giving for a number of years as part of my yin yoga uh, certificate training program. Um, and I would say that the pandemic, the last few years of the pandemic, have really given me a chance to, I think, connect dots on a deeper level. That's one of the, the comments that students have given me when they've taken the course is that there's familiar material that I share that other folks are talking about, but there's somehow a way that I'm connecting the dots between the uh, functional elements of Chinese medicine at a, at a way that uh, synthesizes and ties things together more cleanly. So the content of this course is delivered over five weeks of emails. Each week uh, from the beginning of whenever you register, you'll receive pre-recorded lessons that I give, pre-recorded practices of yin yoga and yin pranayama. And um, you'll also receive access to our live, our four live Q&A sessions with me. And if for whatever reason you're not able to attend those live sessions, you will receive the recordings to those question and answer sessions. Um, the content or curriculum of the training uh, really is what I try to do is distill my four years of training to become an acupuncturist in graduate school. And I try to distill the essential elements of that master's program into a 50-hour course that I think brings the, the essence of the, of the Chinese medical model to an application within yin yoga. And my intention is to allow practitioners and teachers just to feel more confident and capable of sharing and framing uh, the, the sort of scope and, and nature of their practice um, around this material. So we cover yin-yang theory, which is essential, the foundation to understanding Chinese medicine. I go over the three treasures, which include our essence and qi and spirit. And that's sort of our holistic axis of health that um, I believe yin yoga helps align with and optimize. I also cover the vital substances. These are the pure energies of Chinese medicine, our essence, qi, blood, and I add spirit to that. And we look at how the yin organs, the internal organs of Chinese medicine, collaborate together to help 
store, produce, and circulate these vital substances for our health. Um, relevant to all this is the location, anatomy, and function of the channels or meridians, and we cover the 12 main channels of Chinese medicine in this course. Um, but really the heart of it, I would say, is how I believe yin yoga collaborates with the organs, the vital substances, the channels to uh, facilitate an internal experience of harmonization. Uh, whereby our body's energy is nudged towards homeostasis, towards self-regulation, and towards optimal health, both of our body, our energy, our psycho-emotional being, and then even our spiritual being. So that's the holistic framework or the holistic spectrum. And I really think yin yoga, with its various kinds of practices, both the posture, breathing, and psycho-spiritual practices of meditation and, and heart cultivation, that these all collaborate together to, to support what I keep referring to as harmonization of qi. So this course is open to anyone with a sincere interest. You don't have to intend to teach. It is for teachers. If you want uh, a certificate in this uh, training, uh, which is worth 50 hours with, with Yoga Alliance. So either as a teacher intending to share this with others or as just a sincere practitioner looking to deepen your own practice, we welcome you to this course. There's a link for you in the show notes on the yin yoga and traditional Chinese medicine training occurring with me this spring from March 1st through May 31st. Okay, now without further ado, I'll give you this republished talk from 2017, What is Qi? So to begin, what is qi? The concept of qi is a very challenging concept from Chinese philosophy and Chinese medicine, and it's difficult to parse this concept in Western terms. Frequently, qi is translated to refer to something like energy or life force or even prana. And while this is to some degree accurate, it is also not the complete picture. As one Chinese medical classic puts it, quote, the ancient Chinese perceived the existence of qi and believed it to be the basic substance by which all movements and all mutations of all phenomena in the universe arise, end quote. In other words, everything within the universe possesses some form of qi independent of whether or not those entities possess life. So this is why life force is kind of an inaccurate translation. Stars, asteroids, black holes, oceans, mountains, plants, birds, all of these possess a kind of qi in one form or another. To this end, many hardline Chinese medical theorists insist that the term has no good English or Western equivalent. The concept of qi is one that defies translation or reduction. So on one level, the broad concept of qi includes living and non-living phenomena. Similarly, there's a way in which the term signifies something that is simultaneously material and immaterial. In fact, the Chinese character for qi suggests its elusive nature. Part of the Chinese character for qi signifies vapor or steam or gas hinting at an immaterial nature or quality. That said, the second part of the Chinese character for qi represents that of uncooked rice, suggesting a denser, more material form. And as a compound character with these two put together, 
It's often interpreted to mean that the steam that is produced by the transformation of uncooked rice into cooked and therefore digestible rice is what is meant by qi. And as we'll see, this relationship between cooking food and the production of qi in the body is really foundational to the Chinese conception of nourishing and strengthening one's qi. For now, suffice it to say, however, that qi, in its broadest sense, is a concept that resists translation. And part of the reason qi is so difficult to translate is due to its dynamic, non-fixed nature. Mashiosha, the acupuncturist who wrote one of the foundational texts we studied in acupuncture school called The Foundations of Chinese Medicine, states it like this, quote, The reason it is so difficult to translate the word qi correctly lies precisely in its fluid nature, whereby qi can assume different manifestations and be different things in different situations. Now that said, within a human life form, we can refer to qi's manifestation as a kind of energetic life force that is the essential element for the sustenance of human life. In other words, life, and in particular human life, is a particular aggregation or condensation of qi. A Taoist philosopher in the first century, Wang Chong, said it like this, quote, Qi produces the human body just as water becomes ice. As water freezes into ice, so Qi coagulates to form the human body. When ice melts, it becomes water. When a person dies, he or she becomes spirit again. It is called spirit just as melted ice changes its name to water, end quote. So while in the aggregate of a human form, the Taoists were keenly interested in cultivating and optimizing the state of their qi. And this is where Taoists share similar concerns with ancient and modern yogis. To borrow a phrase from the modern yogini Sarah Powers, yoga can be viewed as a qi enhancement discipline. Through intentional exercises of body, breath, and mind, i.e. yoga and meditation, and in conjunction with dietary and other lifestyle practices, one can enhance and then optimize the quality, flow, texture, and functioning of one's qi. To a large extent, this is the overlapping domain of interest of both yogis and Taoists. And in subsequent posts, I'll examine more thoroughly the different functions of qi, also the different manifestations or kinds of qi, as well as different aggregates of qi, such as the different vital substances of essence and blood and mind in the body. For this introductory discussion of qi, it's very important to consider two broad energetic disharmonies, patterns that when they occur lead to disease, pain, imbalance, or disharmony. And these patterns are often called qi deficiency and qi stagnation. But it's important to note, too, there exist many other patterns of disharmony. For now, I'm going to keep it as simple as possible, just to give you the, a handle of the basic concepts of qi deficiency and qi stagnation. As the name suggests, qi deficiency is an issue of insufficient qi, sometimes referred to as qi vacuity. And qi stagnation is a problem of blocked or stuck qi. Both of these patterns can either manifest on the local level in a specific area of the body, with qi deficiency of the digestive process, or stagnant qi in a joint causing pain, or these patterns can manifest on a more global level, 
whereby there will be more pervasive, systematic, global presentations of deficiency and stagnation. But generally, deficient qi symptoms include fatigue, loose stools, poor appetite, dizziness, pale face, weak voice, and or a reluctance to speak, sweating with little to no exertion, tendency to catch colds easily. In their classic text on Chinese medicine, Wiseman and Ellis write, quote, Qi deficiency denotes a group of diseases caused by a vacuity of original qi. The deficiency may be caused by enduring illness, old age, a weak constitution, malnutrition, or strong taxation and fatigue. Now, in contrast, the main symptoms associated with stagnant qi or blocked qi are these, where there's distension or pressure, aches and pains that may or may not move around, psychological depression and irritability and anger. Wiseman and Ellis write, quote, Under normal circumstances, the qi flows smoothly and freely through the whole body. But if the qi dynamic is disturbed in any part, the resultant disorder in the relevant organ or channel, that is meridian, is known as qi stagnation. Emotional constraint, dietary irregularities, contraction of external evils, and external injury are all potential factors of qi dynamic disturbance. And for many people, particularly in the West, stress is an underlying contributory factor in the development of qi stagnation. Stress causes the qi to become stuck, emotionally stuck, and then that can lead to tensions, aches, and pains in the body. Now, with these patterns in mind, it's helpful to consider how different yoga practices influence the state of each pattern of qi disharmony. Drawn from observations in my own practice, as well as from the practice of friends and students, and from my clinical experience as an acupuncturist, it seems that deficient qi patterns benefit greatly from both restorative and yin yoga styles. These styles of practice gently stimulate the meridian system and stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, promoting a restoration of deficient qi. Neither practice requires a great expenditure of energy or qi to engage with them, and so they allow the body a time to focus on replenishing itself and making up for that deficiency of qi. For more stagnant patterns, patterns where the energy and qi are stuck, the styles of active and dynamic yoga, i.e. yang yoga, are frequently more indicated. The movement and flowing dynamics of yang yoga pump and flood fresh qi through the regions that are stagnant, helping to restore a natural free flow of qi in the body as a whole. But that said, it's also quite true that yin yoga, with its emphasis on targeting qi flow in the joints, also helps to move stagnant qi there. In fact, Many forms of stagnant qi occur specifically at the joint sites, which suggests how a combination of yin and yang yoga is so effective at restoring and promoting an optimization of qi quality and flow. Yin yoga clears out the deep obstructions in the meridians, particularly the joint sites, and yang yoga pumps higher quality qi and blood through those unobstructed meridians again. Going forward, I'll have much more to say about qi, both in terms of its different manifestations and the different ways of optimizing its quality and flow. But I'd like to conclude this introduction to qi with a general sense of the concept of qi itself. 
And really, I don't think there's any better description of this than that offered by Ted Kapchuk in his Chinese medical classic, The Web That Has No Weaver. Ted writes, quote, The notion of qi is as fundamental to Chinese culture and medical thought as yin and yang. Like these complementary opposites, no English word or phrase can adequately capture qi's meaning. One can say that, for the Chinese, everything in the universe, inorganic and organic, is composed of and defined by its qi. Mountains, plants, and human emotions all have qi. Qi is not so much a force added to lifeless matter, but the state of being of any phenomena. For the Chinese, qi is the pulsation of the cosmos itself. Everything in the universe is composed of and defined by its qi. Chinese thought does not distinguish between matter and energy, but we can think of qi as matter on the verge of becoming energy at the point of materializing. It is perceived functionally by what it does. Like electricity, it flows in a current. And that's from Ted Kapchuk. That last line where he says, qi is perceived functionally by what it does, is critical to remember. We'll see this in Chinese medicine in general. Entities in Chinese medicine are almost unanimously perceived functionally, that is defined by what they do. Okay, thanks for your attention today, and I hope you enjoyed listening to that talk. If you enjoyed that talk and would like more of that content, please do consider joining the Yin Yoga and Traditional Chinese Medicine training this spring, running from March 1st through May 31st online. Um, you got, we'll have three months to, to move through the material in a comfortable, relaxed pace uh, that works for you and your schedule. And Terry and I are both really excited about this training. We feel like it represents the, the kind of the best iteration of my uh, teaching on this content. And um, we hope you enjoy it. So if you're interested in that training, check out the link in the show notes. Um, and, and we look forward to practicing with you. Okay, stay tuned for more talks coming from me and an interview or two coming soon. Um, and until then, stay safe, stay strong, keep practicing, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take good care.